In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear saints of God, this is the Sunday of joy in the midst of Lent. A little break from our fasting as we hear of Jesus feeding the multitude with five loaves and two little fishies. Five hundred or five thousand men with their families, we presume. And for our comfort and for our peace, we put our attention to the text. And especially today to the beginning of the text and to the end of the text. The, the first thing we want to note about this gospel reading is that this whole event is arranged by Jesus. We know it, first of all, because we know people, and we know that no one goes three days' journey into the wilderness without some preparation. I don't know if you've ever gone camping with your family, but even just for one night, it seems like you have to get ready for weeks, packing the food, making the arrangements, getting everything ready. You don't just up and leave three days into the wilderness without making some sort of provision for that. And the second thing that's amazing about the text is that the people seem to have forgotten that they're supposed to eat. One pastor said it like this. Jesus has them in the wilderness and he has them so, uh, he, he's tending to them so preciously with his word that he has them, uh, he has them so attentive that they've forgotten that they're supposed to eat. I don't know which of us has that ever happened to, that you're so uh, caught up in something that you forget. But, but I can hardly go for three hours without forgetting about food, even when I'm sleeping, you know how it is? And yet Jesus has them for three days now, just in, in His words and in His care and in, in His compassion. And they're, they're in the wilderness and, and they don't even realize that they're hungry until Jesus reminds them. The crowds are coming to the place where He's sitting. And he says to Philip, how much money do we have so that we can feed all these people that they may eat? And then the panic sets in. Oh, yeah. Uh, Philip says, 200 denarii wouldn't buy everyone a crumb of bread. A denarii is a day's wage. And it must have been, I, the text doesn't tell us, but that Philip goes to Judas who kept the money and says, hey, what's the balance of the account? 200 denarii here. And, and he looks at the people, 5,000. And he looks at the money, 200. It's not enough, Jesus. But the text tells us, verse 6, Jesus said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus is arranging the whole event. You see that? And why? Why is he doing it? He, he, he wants his apostles and those that are following him that day. And he wants us and his church who would constantly find comfort in this very miracle. He wants us to know that he will take care of us. Jesus is the one who answers our prayer for daily bread. He is the one who provides us with all that we need to support this body and life. That's what the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 teaches. Jesus will take care of us. And oftentimes in our life, he arranges things to remind us of that. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I don't know how many of you that I've talked to as you're going through some sort of struggle or some sort of difficulty, and I, and I say to you, you've heard me say this, I'm sure, I, said, I don't need to stand here and, and remind you to pray, do I? And you say, no, you don't. I'm praying constantly. Our troubles are a schoolhouse of prayer. They teach us to look to the Lord for provision. And the text teaches us that Jesus will hear our prayers and will provide what we need. That's the first part of the text. But then, and we move our attention now to the end, there's something fantastic that happens at the end of this account. The feeding of the 5,000 is, is one, I, I think it is the only miracle that's, that's given to us in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the, the only miracle that's like that. Uh, and there's reason for it. It teaches us what we just said, that the Lord would uh, always meet our needs and provide all that we have. But John gives us insight into what happens after the feeding of the 5,000. He gives us the rest of the story. He tells us how the people came to make Jesus king. They said, this is indeed the prophet who is coming into the world and perceiving, this is the last verse of the text, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. King Jesus or not. This isn't the first time we've heard about this. In fact, we, uh, the first Sunday in Lent, we had the other temptation for Jesus to become king when he's with the, when he's in the wilderness with the devil. And the devil says, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the nations of the world. And it's really something for us to notice that, that the people who know Jesus and even the devil want to make Jesus king and he won't take it. The history of the world is the history of the very opposite of this sort of thing. The history of the world is the story of men wanting to be king and doing whatever it takes to have it. Even the history surrounding the gospel texts, the history of the Herod family, the history of Pilate, the history of the Roman Empire, all of these political figures is the, is the history of a struggle to, for men to be king. But here comes Jesus. Who is not struggling or fighting to be king? In fact, he doesn't want to be king, but people are trying to take him and make him king. And it would be nice to have Jesus as king. Think of what it would be like. You would never be hungry. You would never be sick. You would never be dead. It's handy to have Jesus around. And th think even of the disciples. As the crowds come, 5,000, that's not an insignificant number. As the crowds come to make Jesus their king by force, and, and the disciples are standing around and, and they say, look, Jesus, they want you to be king. Isn't that fantastic? Jesus, no, it's not fantastic. But think of all the good things you could do, Jesus. Think of all the people you could help. Think of all the, uh, think of the peace and prosperity that you could bring. Think of how nice it would be. And they want you. You're not forcing yourself on them. They want you to be king. And these things are true enough. But it's not why Jesus came. He did not come to establish an earthly kingdom. In fact, Jesus gives witness of this point before Pilate when he says, My kingdom is not of this world. 
Jesus did not come so that He could acquire power. He did not come, and this is fairly important, He did not come so that He could take care of our bodily needs. He proves that He can and will provide, but He doesn't need a body to do that. He doesn't need flesh and blood to take care of your dinner. He doesn't need a mother, you see? He doesn't need a mother to cause the crops to grow and the rain to fall. He doesn't need whips and nails and cross and tomb for that. Jesus comes with flesh and blood, with accusers and mockers and suffering, with cross and nails and tomb. Jesus comes not to be king, but to be savior. He comes in his flesh and blood to accomplish what he can only accomplish with his flesh and blood. That is your salvation, your forgiveness, your eternal life. Jesus must resist the temptation to be king. A temptation that I'm sure many men have succumbed to and fallen. Jesus must resist that temptation so that he could be crowned not with gold or jewels, but with thorns. So that he could be wrapped not in robes of royalty, but in the purple robes of mockery. He has to resist the temptation to be king so that he can be exalted on the cross and be our Savior, the one who forgives our sins. And so, dear saints, we rejoice. We rejoice that Jesus in the wilderness resist, resisted the temptation of the devil. We rejoice that the people came to make him king and he resisted it again. For we do not need Jesus on a throne. We need Jesus on his cross, dying for our sins. And that's exactly how we have him. May we, by the Holy Spirit, Find comfort and joy, and may we rejoice in this. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.